1: Why is it that we as humans tend to get so focused on something to the point that we have a hard time seeing what's going on beyond our own point of view? It happens in everyday life and it happens in criminal investigations. In 2006, a 13 year old girl lost her life and authorities tried to find answers. However, they became so focused on one suspect that they completely overlooked the truth. This is the story of a little girl named Tair Rada. My name's Ben.
0: And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim,
1: a true crime podcast. Warning the following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. <phone rings>
0: Is a solid chance that there might be a little bit of coughing in the background of
1: this episode. <laughs> Nicole's still getting over her illness. I think we mentioned it last episode. Two
0: weeks. I'm just, but I'm in the coughing, fa- coughing era.
1: Yeah, you feel good, <laughs> but you sound like poo. Um,
0: my voice is actually pretty well. This mostly the same, but yeah, I might, I'm, I'm gonna have to hold in a cough probably occasionally because I ran out of cough candies. Today.
1: That's okay. What, would make up for it though is. You don't need a cough candy when you have a drink.
0: Mm -hmm. At
1: least that's my theory.
0: That's your theory? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are sick right now.
1: I think so. It's just the time of year, really.
0: Also, we're recording today on Blue Monday. So if anyone out there is feeling like, you know, a little down, it's pretty normal this time of year.
1: I just learned what Blue Monday was actually because you told me about it. That kind of sucks. Just thinking about it makes me feel a little blue.
0: I can't remember all the things, but basically one of the, or a few of them, it's like you're kind of debt from Christmas time, right? Yeah. You haven't met maybe your New Year's resolutions that you've set. It's, it's all, cold AF. It's like kind of a gloomy time of year. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um. Just yesterday, though, we tried to uh, make ourselves a little bit happier. We had some fried chicken for dinner. We fried some chicken in our tiny home for the first time ever.
0: ate our feelings. Is that what you're saying?
1: (laughs) Some soul food, some comfort food. It was delicious. It
0: was actually amazing comfort food.
1: Yeah. Uh, We also want to give a little bit of a shout out to anyone who's a new listener and coming over from YouTube uh, because we had some people comment recently that they're heading over from YouTube there. Uh, we've, we've been, we've been active. We've been posting some stuff. We've been getting some views. We hit 3,000 subscribers today. So that's cool.
0: Really cool. Yeah. I'm enjoying that. Yeah.
1: So we're going to keep posting. We're going to keep doing that thing and, and having fun. Mm -hmm. We also post over on Patreon too. We sure do. And we had some new patrons sign up this week. So we had James and Morgan sign up, uh, Nunez and Miranda Crittenden. Nice. Yeah. So thank you so much for signing up on Patreon They get all that behind the scenes content. They, they got a post about our fried chicken, in fact, so. <laughs> they sure did. Yeah.
0: Me taking a giant bite of fried chicken. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was good. It was delicious. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you guys today, this is going to be a long episode. So. Nothing
0: wrong with that though.
1: Oh no, nothing wrong with it at you all. get I, us
0: a little bit longer.
1: In all honesty, this should be a two-parter. Mm. 100% should be a two-parter. But I literally think last episode said, I'm going to try and not do two-parters. We
0: won't be doing a two-parter for a little while. (laughs) So
1: you're basically getting two episodes at once today because I'm refusing to make this a two-parter. It's just going to be a long episode.
0: Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool though. It's like bonus.
1: It it kind of is. So so buckle your seatbelts. You might need to listen to this on your way to work and on your way home from work. Whatever the case, you're probably going to need some extra time today. Okay. So with that being said.
0: <sighs> with that being said, yeah, the intro was a little bit of a doozy. So. It was.
1: So you ready for this one? I am. Okay. So this one is a actually a very large case and it took place on the other side of the world, not over here in North America. Um, it takes place in the picturesque town of Katzrin, which is nestled uh, less than an hour's drive from the bustling city of Haifa in Israel. Oh, okay. Uh, the Rada family uh, led a quiet and close-knit kind of life. So... Shmuel and Lana Rada were the parents to three children, the youngest being Tair. Uh, she was a vibrant soul who brought light to, to like pretty much the whole family's life. I mean, of Aww. course, like everyone in the family did, but she mm-hmm. was she was quite a bright bright young girl. Now the age gap between Taye and her older brothers Roy and Ohad was just enough for them to assume the roles of protecting guardians over their beloved little sister. Okay. So they 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 held a, a soft spot for the little sister and they kind of looked over her as much as I think any any older brother would. You know, if you see your your younger sister getting picked on, I'm pretty sure the the older brother oh, would yeah. be like there to To protect her and get her back sort of situation. Yeah,
0: you'd lose your mind, I think. Yeah.
1: So from the time she was a baby, Tair had a magnetic quality that drew people towards her. Her name actually meaning she will light up. Really? That's the actual meaning of her name.
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Yeah. And it literally seems to manifest in her personality. So... A suitable name. I Yeah.
0: Think. So they picked a really good name for her. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Now, Tayeer was the embodiment of charisma and often becoming a focal point of attention wherever she went. With a love for music and drama, she effortlessly transformed into a captivating dancer. So okay. she loved her art. She loved theater. She loved music. It was just ingrained in her. And among her friends, she held the title of Queen Bee. <laughs> a natural leader. <laughs> yeah, Queen Bee. She was a natural leader whose every move inspired others to follow suit. Yet her beauty, intelligence, and talents occasionally stirred jealousy among some of the, her peers, leading to conflicts within her circle. Fortunately, the Bonds forged in, in their relationships uh, and upbringings always managed to mend any of the occasional rifts.
0: Okay. So
1: she was, as all accounts from I could find in my research. A uh, magnificent, bright, smart, happy young girl.
0: Yeah, she sounds like a really special little girl.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Nofi Golan High School um, in Golan Heights became the backdrop of tayir's teenage years. Like many kids in the area, she would walk to school and walk back home on foot. A call to her mom upon arriving home became a daily ritual. She'd get home from school, you know, drop her bag in the entranceway of the house or whatever, and ring up her mom, being like, "Yo, I'm home," sort of thing, just kind of like a a reassuring signal that all's all's good, right?
0: When her mom's at work, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay.
1: So on the sixth of December in two thousand six, an ordinary school day took an abrupt turn. Tahir, like any other teenager seeking a break from routine, decided to skip the last period of the day. Uh, fun fact, I only ever actually skipped one class in high school. No, that's wrong. Two. Two?
0: Two. One of them I remember was to get like a CD or yeah. something, system wasn't
1: of, it? My, <laughs> one of my favorite bands system of a down came up with a new CD and I went to go get it and the other one was just arbitrary skipping. <laughs> wow i know i I was not a goody two-shoes but i was just really afraid of authority catching me (laughs) (laughs) Um, but regardless she was opting to spend the day with her friends now little did anyone suspect that this seemingly typical day would plunge into complete darkness around 1 20 p.m tayir was thirsty and made her way to the main building for a sip of water Several students witnessed her make her way to the mid floor where the 10th grade classes were situated. Unbeknownst to them, this would be the last time anyone saw Tair alive.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. What happens?
1: Tair's mother, Lana, became quite concerned when the customary afternoon call from her daughter never came through.
0: Yeah, I could imagine.
1: Yeah. She initially brushed off any worries and just kind of assumed to herself that her daughter had simply gone to a friend's house or was hanging out with friends or was something, right? Distracted or something. Yeah, the call would come soon enough. However, as the clock ticked away and Tair remained absent, anxiety quickly took hold. Without hesitation, Lana dialed Tair's cell phone, desperation growing with each and every unanswered ring. She knew something wasn't right. There was no answer. Tahir never picked up. In a panic, she sounded the alarm to find her daughter. Shamuel T- uh, Tahir's father, rushed home as friends and neighbors armed with concern and flashlights combed the streets where she walked and where she was last seen at the school. They were searching the school at about 7 p.m. Dark hallways echoed with each footsteps as they're running up and down the halls, trying to find her, looking in classrooms, calling out her name. And it eventually led them to the girls' bathroom on the 10th grade floor. Still, in the darkness, there was a single locked stall door. Beneath that door, a pair of feet were seen. And remained still, even as they called out Tyre's name. Now, they accessed the adjacent stall peeked over the wall to look inside and found a gruesome scene. Tayir's lifeless body was slumped over, blood-stained walls and floor, her throat was slashed and multiple stab wounds marred her all over.
0: Whoa.
1: She was found dead inside the school.
0: Oh, my gosh. And was she in grade 10 then?
1: Uh, She was 13. Whatever that math equates to for grades. I'm not certain. I don't think that would be grade 10. No.
0: Okay, that just doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, we're going to dive into what does and doesn't make sense in this case.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But it's a wild ride. So prepare yourself. So the discovery prompted an immediate call to police and rightfully so. I mean, there was a deceased child in the school and they quickly came to the scene. A crowd amassed at the school gates and Shmuel, uh, Tamir, father, was desperate for confirmation that it was his daughter. He tried to burst in the school to try and see, but he was met with absolute refusal. The scene was far too gruesome and nightmarish. One of Tyre's brother was so overwhelmed with grief, he even was faced with the threat of sedation by authorities. The community found itself in absolute disbelief. How could a young girl meet such a grisly fate within the confines of this school?
0: And like she sense. was so vibrant and everything too, right? Like Exactly. not make any sense.
1: Doesn't. So fear took a hold and parents hesitated to send the children back to an environment that was tainted with tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, understandably, the school suspending classes for several days, shut the doors like shit's going down, right?
0: Absolutely. So, well, yeah, an investigation would have to go down too.
1: Well, and even still like the well-being of the other students, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, someone that I went, I go to class with was murdered
0: Ugh. yesterday
1: and I'm still expected to sit here and study science. Like,
0: yeah, hello, no, no.
1: I don't think that's something that would go well. So yeah, understandably, the school was was shut down for for a little while. Now, in the aftermath of the murder, the police extended their search beyond the immediate school vicinity, spanning the border uh, landscape of Golan Heights and Gali, which is the, the surrounding area. Now, this puzzled the community, who are expecting a more focused investigation around the school premises itself. I mean, after all, that's where she was last seen. Mm-hmm. That's where her... Her remains were found. So why yep. are they searching the grounds past the school? Didn't make a lot of sense.
0: Well, I mean, unless, I don't know. Unless there they has had, to be a reason.
1: Unless they had reason. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like raising some eyebrows. Like, well, what the hell? You should be like searching in here. But
0: okay. whatever.
1: Um, and as the days unfolded, police did turn their attention to the students. Attempting to reconstruct Tayir's final moments. So two witnesses reported seeing Tair ascend the stairs alone. Heading to that, that floor, right? That 10th right. grade floor. And there was no one else trailing behind her. So between 30 and 2.10 p.m., a significant number of girls moved in and out of that very bathroom. Between 10 to 12, to be precise. Strangely, only five were subjected to police questioning.
0: Okay. Which
1: raised some more eyebrows. Like, why aren't mm-hmm. you questioning all the girls, right?
0: Well, yeah, and I'm. it's also surprising that Well, no, I'll let you carry on because like you think that the gruesome scene would extend out of the stall slightly, but maybe it
1: didn't. It didn't. Really? Like
0: you wouldn't have, you wouldn't know. You could go in the stall right next and you would have no fucking idea.
1: I'm not 100% certain because I can't say I know how the stall was shaped. Okay. I do know that it said that you could see feet underneath the stall, but I don't know how big that gap is.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: So I know that there's different shaped stalls, different countries that you go to. If it's here in North America, I could probably speak to what the stall looks like. But going over to Israel, it might be completely different than what I'm aware could be, right?
0: But I mean, you're also not paying attention to something out of the blue or or you wouldn't be thinking something next to you would be that disturbing, right? Yeah.
1: So, so it's fair, I guess. The yeah. things I do know is that they did say you can see feet underneath the stall okay. and there was blood on the floor. Okay. I do know that.
0: Okay. So you could see the blood.
1: I don't know. Because oh, okay. maybe you have to get down on your hands and knees and right. really peek through a crack.
0: And who's doing that? Yeah. yeah. And
1: you're probably not going to see blood on the floor if you're that, if you're having to like peek with one eye through a crack, like, right? Like I'm not. Well, I don't yeah, know.
0: you're giving the person
1: privacy. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, among the accounts that was uh, given was that of Nofar Ben David. Who was a friend of Tayir's, who claimed to have spotted an unfamiliar girl with curly hair in the restroom. Now she insisted not on uh, not recognizing the girl before or after the event, speculating that she was like you know a new student at the school. Okay, um, maybe new addition, whatever. However, she did identify that the girl was wearing the school uniform, so she clearly belonged in <laughs> some way, shape, or form. Another student recalled witnessing two pairs of feet in the stall where Tair was later discovered.
0: Oh, boy.
1: One being Tair's distinctive Puma shoes and another pair of youth-sized All-Star shoes. Uh-oh. So there was, according to this individual, two people in the stall. Yeah. One of which most likely was Tair via the distinctive shoes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, oblivious to the significance of the time, the witness simply left. Right. I mean, there's two people in there, whatever. It's not like they're immediately thinking, oh, someone's getting murdered right now. Well, yeah. Um, But they left apparently attributing to the unusual uh, bad smell in the bathroom. Now, whether that's someone just stank it up in there or whether it was from the smell of potential blood, because, hey, that is not a pleasant smell. Anyone who has smelled blood like that before knows what that smells like. It's not pretty. It's usually a very like tinny iron smell. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Well, plus I feel like having two people in the stall next to you is like a bit awkward that I would probably be rushing to get out of there too.
1: Yeah. If yeah. if
0: it's not like weird noises or anything that you're hearing, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like, what are they doing in there? I don't want a part of this. Yeah. Unless maybe, hey, maybe it's a puff puff pass situation. It's like, hey, pass it over here. But that's hey, that's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know what kids are doing in high school. So um Regardless, Tahir's friend, Lee, approached the lock stall and received a response saying someone was in there confirming the occupancy as well.
0: Oh, so. okay.
1: Now, however, when questioned by police, police, the focus shifted to discerning whether the voice belonged to a man or a woman. Which, I mean, could, could be very important information, yeah, totally. right? totally. Now, Lee consistently maintained that it was a female voice that had talked, but felt a very lingering disf- dissatisfaction. In that answer from authorities, like they, they were like, are you sure are you sure it was a man? Like, oh, okay. really, like
0: they were just assuming that it was going to be a man.
1: Yeah. Like they weren't really happy with the idea that it was a female voice. OK, so now for the Rada family, a, a glimmer of hope emerged in the form of a private investigator named Haim Sadovsky. Now, Haim learned about the the murder of Tair through the radio and was personally angered As his own daughter was the same age as Tair and could pretty much put himself in the same shoes. Like, what if that was my daughter? Right.
0: Absolutely. So
1: he reached out to the grieving Rada family and offered his services to aid um, unveiling the mystery sort
0: of. Okay. That's amazing.
1: So Shmuel and Lana shared everything they knew with him. Among the details uh, was an incident that struck a chord with Lana. So during a visit from Tair's friends to offer condolences, two girls exhibited Peculiar behavior. They were whispering in hushed tones as if they had kind of like a secret or they weren't sharing everything that they knew.
0: Oh, okay. I don't love that.
1: So upon talking to and scrutinizing the statements uh, given by the two girls with police, Haim, Haim uncovered inconsistencies. So Lana's intuition had not led her astray. The friends had seen Tyre's backpack in class but failed to register her absence as unusual. Also in contradiction with their portrayal of Tair as her usual self on that fateful Wednesday, the theater class teacher remembered a very withdrawn and melancholic Tair, which was abnormal. As Mm -hmm. we talked about at the beginning, her art, love for arts and theater, this was her favorite class. okay. So the teacher actually questioned her that day if she was okay, but Tair made rather unsettling remark saying, quote, because I'm afraid of death. Oh. So teacher's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Is something wrong? And she's like, because I'm afraid of death.
0: Oh my gosh. That's an alarming response, hey?
1: Especially right before getting fucking murdered. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I mean, it's not like the teacher would think that. She probably would think that she's a family member that's ill or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, who
1: knows? Maybe it's like, oh, they watched a horror movie last night and it's like,
0: there could be
1: many reasons. It's not like I'm sitting here saying that she's imminently thinking she's going to die but still that's that's ominous
0: a lot of people are afraid of death
1: oh yeah don't get me wrong death is scary
0: it is scary no
1: i don't like death can go away mm-hmm. no <laughs> yeah um another layer of the puzzle actually emerged as Tair's schoolmates divulged some more information taylor supposedly had a stalker named avi who was an 18-year-old from Tiberias. Now, he apparently incessantly called and sent her numerous text messages. He even went as far as threatening her a month before her murder. Allegedly, Avi declared that if Tair refused to be with or be his girlfriend, he would kill her. Oh. Now, when he announced to visit the area, Tair said that she wasn't going to see him, and it made things worse. Huh. However, police investigation yielded no evidence of any contact between Tair and a purported Avi. No calls, no texts, nothing. There's no evidence that this guy even exists.
0: Oh, okay. So basically like there wasn't a stalker then.
1: But potentially.
0: Hmm. So or this, that they could find.
1: Yeah. So this like really put this this story under scrutiny, which actually also brings up speculation. Mm-hmm. Were they fabricating this story to divert attention from themselves to hide the truth? Or is this an actual rumor? Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. So as private investigator, Haim delved into the evidence surrounding Tair's murder, a chilling theory began to take shape. The sheer brutality inflicted upon the petite four foot nine Tair led him to believe that the assailants were likely individuals of similar age and stature, most likely two individuals rather than an adult using excessive force on such a young girl. So that's what he believed is this must be individuals of the same age. That's his theory.
0: Like that she had two attackers, you mean? Yes. Okay.
1: He's saying like, okay, this excessive force is probably not needed. All these slashes and everything and like the cuts. It's like, why would a grown adult do this in such a small vicinity? Mm -hmm. It's not like you're not going to be able to. Hold her down with one hand. Where's she going? She's in a locked bathroom stall with you. Yeah. Whereas if it's two, there might be more of the two of her stature and age might be more afraid of her escaping or fighting back. So in there would be the random slashes, the random stabs or cuts or a whatever. Bit more
0: of a frenzy sort of.
1: Exactly. Thing. Okay. Whereas an adult, someone who towers over her, would have much more control and be much more precise. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the theory that he was leading to. Now, amidst the pool of suspects, eyes turned to an arch rival of Tahir's, who was apparently equally beautiful and talented, which is why there was kind of this animosity between the two of them. And it reached a point where Tahir had actually confronted her mother about feeling afraid at the start of the school year regarding this individual. The rival's behavior post-murder added another layer of suspicion, She apparently left town for a few days, but conveniently omitted this information when questioned by police, specifically when they asked if she had knew if anyone had left town. And she's like, no, even though she did leave town herself. Okay. Yeah. Now, despite the initial focus on Tair's schoolmates, the investigation took another turn. The school psychologist claimed to have seen the gardener in the teacher's lounge on the afternoon of the murder and the gardener was appearing a little disturbed and bewildered, but he presented an airtight alibi. So while the psychologist's testimony carried some weight to the authorities, the police were unwilling to dismiss it entirely, and they explored an alternate possibility. There was another man who bore a striking resemblance to this gardener, and it surfaced as a potential suspect. The police consider the likelihood that the psychologist might have inadvertently confused the two men, thinking that this was the man that they saw, but really it was this man, since this one has – the first one has an alibi, right? Mm-hmm. So on December 11th, less than a week after Tyre's tragic murder, Roman Zadorov, a construction worker employed at the school, found himself under the microscope of the law. He was a Ukrainian migrant who had moved to Israel two years prior. Roman had made a living with odd jobs in construction. His life took a turn when he met Olga, his high school sweetheart in Ukraine. Following Olga's family to Israel, the couple settled down in Katsrin, and their son was born just a month before Tyre's death.
0: Okay, that doesn't seem like that would be someone who would do something like this. But hey, hey, weirder things have happened.
1: Yeah, okay, you're throwing that down right now. You don't think it's him?
0: Well, I don't know a lot, but it's just like, I don't know, he he's probably happy like he, they just had a. well i don't know i was gonna say they just had a baby but maybe life is actually a bit rough at that stage so.
1: yeah and you never know what's going on behind closed no. doors too right no you don't so anyways at the time roman worked as a handyman for a contractor involved in the refurbishment of the school so that's why he was there okay now being an immigrant he couldn't yet legally work, but he did need an income. So he did receive cash payments for his services and tried to stay out of trouble. Does that add any more layer to you believing if he did it or not?
0: Um, for some reason I'm still thinking no.
1: Okay. Okay. So as his wife discovered the limitations of his visa, she urged him to pursue an Israeli citizenship, a process which he was in the middle of when his world would unravel in the arrest. There was an unfortunate drawback in the current situation that I want to make a point of here as well. Roman was proficient in Russian and was struggling with his Hebrew and faced a language barrier in his interaction with authorities, which made conversations and understanding a little bit difficult. And I'm sure on both ends as well. Totally. Yep. So suspicion on Roman only intensified when police sought to seize the clothes he wore the day of Tyre's murder, only to be told that uh, Roman had thrown them out
0: thrown them out
1: he got rid of them he threw them out
0: i mean gosh i guess it depends what he was doing that day what if he was painting and like got well i <laughs> i keep thinking these things and then i'm like okay you probably wouldn't throw them out because you're just gonna get them dirty like the next day but who knows maybe they're ripped or you know yeah they needed to be thrown out
1: it could also be a red flag
0: could, could. also be
1: covered in blood
0: very much so yep yeah.
1: Well, during the extended interrogation, Roman denied any involvement in Tair's killing, expressing confusion over his arrest and why he was even there. Simultaneously, investigators combed through his home, discovering pornography on his computer, initially believed to feature underage individuals, but closer examination revealed uh, that all the women were of appropriate age, just young-ish. Okay, okay. uh, so they were appropriate age. There was nothing illegal going on there. Roman also though had an extensive knife collection and was prominently displayed in his house, which is another point of interest for police given the nature of tires. Right.
0: But I mean, I feel like a lot of men enjoy knives.
1: Yeah. I've right? got, I've got a knife on my hip right now. It's just my daily carry that yeah. I like generally just open letters with and stuff. Mm-hmm. If I need a knife, I, I got one. Yeah. Uh, So the overlap between Roman's knives and the weapons used in the murder, coupled with the possible witness statements from the school's psychologist who confused him with maybe the gardener. Right. um, All of this together prolonged in, uh, sorry, resulted in a prolonged custody. Now the plot thickened as police who were desperate for a breakthrough resorted to some shady tactics that blurred the lines of truth. This one, I absolutely hate it's, Bullshit, in my opinion, Opinion, but whatever. We'll, we'll go over this. So they leaked unconfirmed information to the media, purposefully. They falsely claimed that Roman's DNA matched samples that were found at the crime scene, a detail that was not yet validated by pending results from testing that was going on over in America. So there were three hair samples that were found on Tyre's body.
0: Oh, okay. And That's they're, good.
1: they're claiming that... Before the results are even back, your DNA has been found at the crime scene. And they leaked it to the public.
0: Oh, that is so bad. Because if it isn't him, like, how do you go back to having a normal life after something like that? Right.
1: Uh, So in this calculated, apparently calculated move, I don't know who calculated it. They got their math wrong. I can tell you that. But anyways, in this move, interrogators seized this opportunity on the fabricated revelation, if you will, and employed this as a tool to coerce a confession from Roman. Oh yeah. They per- persistently, he was denying any involvement and Roman found himself in a relentless battle of wills against the interrogators. The psychological pressure escalated as they insisted on the alleged DNA match. They're like, we have your DNA. I'm sorry. Like you're, you were there. We have your DNA at the crime scene. Um, Like science has given us irrefutable proof. And
0: still like, even when they're chatting with him, they still have no idea. Correct. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay.
1: They found hairs. They haven't even gotten results back yet. They've just sent the samples off and they're like, we have proof.
0: Oh, that is so bad.
1: Yeah. So Roman maintained his innocence. He's like, I'm I'm being framed. I must be. That's the only way you could have, have my DNA at the crime scene then. And, uh, the interrogators dismissed this whole idea, basically reminding him that this is Israel, not the KGB controlled territory that he's used to or thinking of. And such tactics are apparently beneath them, which clearly maybe not so much
0: Yeah, because
1: there is clearly manipulation of evidence going on right here.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of understand sometimes they do some stuff like that when it's just in the interrogation process, which I'm not saying is, is right But then to actually like put it to the public where like his wife or whatever is going to see this and his family and stuff. Like, gosh.
1: You're right. It's one thing to say it in a contained room to the individual to see if they'll react. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. But you're right. To leak this to the public on purpose before you even have any sort of confirmation.
0: What is the point of that even really? I
1: don't know. Hmm. Uh, Now, Roman then recalled... Um, in this interrogation, he did say, well, I do kind of recall maybe stepping in some blood in the boys' toilet, like bathroom at the school, but he was like oblivious of any sort of implication. He's like, oh, it's like just something on the ground. Like once in a while there's dots of blood or urine or feces, who knows It's the bathroom, right?
0: Yeah. I could have a nosebleed or something.
1: Exactly. So he's like, "I, I might've stepped in some blood in the boys' bathroom basically is what he's after. Uh, since he wouldn't confess though, he was sent to a holding cell where he was basically just. You know, they're sent to think on it. They're like, you're going to confess, like, because we have you.
0: Oh, my gosh. You almost wonder if at that point of technically they can hold him.
1: But I I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, Roman, however, when he was sent to the cell, was unwitting, unwittingly sharing his space with an informant contracted by the police
0: oh wow okay they're pretty confident
1: they are yeah now this informant was tasked with of course extracting a confession and he was also enticed with financial reward one that we were talking about just recently Mm. um, on another episode but anyways Mm -hmm. Roman spent a total of eight days with this informant locked in the cell and the informant was faced with Roman's unwavering insistence that he was innocent. So the informant decided to alter his approach. He played on Roman's fears, suggesting that a life sentence awaited him if blood evidence was found. However, a confession might lead to a lesser sentence of just six to seven years for manslaughter.
0: Oh, geez. So he's basically okay.
1: saying if you don't if you're maintaining your innocence and they've got DNA to tie you there, yeah. you're screwed. That's yeah. a life sentence. But, but If you just, you know, just admit it, just say it was you, just confess.
0: It's much shorter. It's
1: much shorter and much shorter of a sentence as well. Or not just sentence, but a conviction. Mm -hmm. It's no longer murder, manslaughter. Hmm. So under the informant's relentless pressure, Roman succumbed and the two actually crafted a confession together.
0: Oh my gosh, seriously?
1: Yes. So Roman portrayed himself as an angry immigrant, grappling with a sense of alienation from Israel. According to the... Coerced narrative on the day of Tyre's murder, he succumbed to a fit of rage with Tyre becoming an unattended victim of his outburst. He claimed to have blacked out, creating a narrative that hinted at a violent temper and a history of actions he couldn't remember. A history that included a violent incident involving his his brother in the past. And Roman even went on the record saying to authorities, quote, maybe I did kill her. It is possible.
0: Huh. Okay. All
1: under this coercion.
0: I kind of feel like the killer would have known her is the sense that I'm getting, but okay. Carry on. Okay. So, Mm. so
1: you're still maintaining that you think Roman's innocent.
0: Oh my gosh. That
1: question alone can put doubt in your mind. Can't it?
0: Kind of, but it's like.
1: Don't, don't, I'm just trying to see where your head's at. Don't let me influence you. He's
0: maintained his innocence for so long. And then this person's just like getting to him. Oh, I'm saying that he's still innocent.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Roman began to question his own innocence as he internalized the relentless claims made by the interrogators. They're just being like, you did it. You yeah. did it. You did it. We have DNA. We have DNA. Even though they don't, they have no evidence.
0: Honestly, at that point, I feel like almost anyone
1: would. Probably. I mean, the persistent barrage of accusations combined with the false assertions of the DNA, uh, it would lead to anyone's doubt. And it certainly led him to doubt his own recollections. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it all just baffled Roman. He could actually remember that day. He remembered finishing work late in the afternoon, well after Tair was last seen even. And he remembers no blood on him. His decision to actually discard his clothes, his pants specifically, um, was driven from the fact that they were too short and they were uncomfortable
0: okay. So he's, like,
1: he's like, I hate these pants. I'm just, I'm just throwing them out and getting rid of them.
0: And it was just a real shitty day to do that.
1: Exactly. There was no presence of blood on him as far as he remembers.
0: Huh. And you think at some point or someone would notice or something. Cause like you would have blood
1: on you. Yeah. For sure. But unfortunately the police just had their, I mean, they, they had their teeth sunk into him at this point point. they were eager to basically try and strengthen their case.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. to them it just made sense kind yeah. of thing.
1: So what they did next, they convinced him to reenact the events on December 6th. So they already had him confessing, right? Mm-hmm. So they they walked him through the school. They are like, reenact this, reenact when you killed Tair. So they actually filmed this excursion through Golan Heights High School. And showcased his narrative of the murder, providing what seemed like, of course, a slam dunk for the prosecution, right? Like we got a confession. We've got him on video walking through the school showing us how he murdered her.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay.
1: So at a press conference, the police proudly announced Roman's confession and the reenactment, branding him as the killer through and through. The motive that they proposed was a trivial altercation. Tair allegedly insulted Roman after he refused to share a cigarette, prompting him to follow her into the bathroom and commit murder.
0: Hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? Not at all.
1: Uh, Tair's family is on your side. They were not convinced. They yearn for concrete forensic evidence. They're like, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Yeah. Apparently there's this DNA evidence that you leaked to the public and said it's out there. Like, what is, let's see this. Their gut feeling rejected that Roman was any sort of true perpetrator, that he had any part in this. Friends and family also emphasized that Tair never smoked, making the suggested Motive, Mm -hmm. like pretty much impossible.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: of course, individuals can have habits and whatever behind people's backs. I get that, but it was friends and family. So I'm assuming school friends and family. Yeah. Someone would probably know. Yeah. Now the idea that Teir would also insult someone, especially an older individual, contradicted her nature as well and who she was. Mm -hmm. She was a very soft, loving, caring individual that was not of her nature. So- that kind of is basically throwing that theory out the window.
0: Yeah. Because like insulted him for really no reason. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense.
1: Exactly. Can I have a smoke? No. And just goes off the rails. Like, yeah. That doesn't sound like someone that we talked about at the beginning here.
0: Yeah. But I mean, grant you, she was acting different that day.
1: True. Actually, right? that's a very good point. That's very so. good. Uh, now the family stood against this whole narrative. And they demanded a thorough examination of evidence that would reveal the, that they were sure would reveal the truth. Now, Lana Rada, uh, her mother, mm-hmm. uh, had suspicions of her daughter's killer existing within Tyre's close-knit circle of friends. Over time, she unraveled unsettling details that some students at the school were allegedly part of a satanic cult, raising fears that Tayer might have fallen victim to a ritualistic killing. And I mean, we hear that all the time. Satanic cult, satanic cult. I think that's a fallback answer, if I'm being honest.
0: Possibly, but just the thought of that's freaking terrifying.
1: I agree. But I also do think that if anyone is going to, and this is just my opinion, okay? This is just my feeling. Mm -hmm. I feel like anyone who is probably going to be doing a satanic uh, ritualistic killing, it's most likely someone of adolescent age. Any case we've covered in the past where it has been satanic, it is of that adolescent age because you are more malleable. Mm. You know what I mean. You're more okay. likely to believe in in something like that.
0: Yeah, trying to fit in, or or finally kind of feeling like you're finding your circle and you're going to do whatever you need to. Exactly.
1: Or looking up to a certain idol for yeah. whatever reason, like the insane clown posse we've talked about in a, a couple different cases. Yeah, individuals look up to their music and those artists. Their music talks about killings. So they go through and like, oh, I'm just like these guys and I'm going to do a killing too. Mm -hmm. It's usually some very younger, impressionable, malleable individual. Hmm. So I think if a satanic cult situation could be the case, a situation like this where it is a younger individual could be where the puzzle would fit. Yeah. So... So Roman's wife sought the legal expertise of the dynamic duo defense Gail and David Spiegel. After a thorough examination of the case, the attorneys became convinced that he was an innocent man and that he was coerced into confessing to a murder that he did not commit. The trial commenced on July 2nd, 2007 with the prosecution altering its theory about the motives of the murder. I mean, they said, hey, it was the smoke. She insulted mm-hmm. him, right? And then they heard the backlash. So they're like, uh, let's change that theory.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's not how shit works.
1: Yeah, but that's what they did. Now, they claim that Roman's violent reaction stemmed from childhood sexual abuse in Ukraine. and was triggered by the constant pestering from school kids. So no longer it was pestering from. Tire in one incident. It was just constant from all the kids. Also, he had sexual trauma as a kid. So the prosecution faced a significant setback, apart from that story, when the the light of the DNA results from the crime scene did not actually match Romans. Okay. Yeah. So it came to light. So they're
0: caught in like a giant lie.
1: Yeah. Not only a lie, they were like, oh, okay, we, we said that. We didn't have the results yet. Oh, also the DNA doesn't match him when the results did come in.
0: And we're also changing the reasoning that we think Correct. That he did this. The motive, yeah. That is messed up.
1: It is. The defense attorneys uh, dissected the prosecution's claims. They, they picked him apart, basically, emphasizing the uh, small enclosed space, actually. This one's interesting to me. Uh, the small space at the crime scene being the, the bathroom stall, right? Yeah. Picture being in a bathroom stall. This is where a violent murder would take place. They didn't have any of Roman's fingerprints. They didn't have any of his blood, his DNA, his hairs, nothing. Hmm. Picture being in a gymnasium. Your hands are not going to touch the walls, especially if you're struggling against with someone. Yeah, you you've got someone half your size, but still. But now picture being in an enclosed space. Your hands are probably going to touch the walls yeah. very easy.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would think there'd be something. And then I also was I this is just a thought I had, but you think that you would kind of be able to tell the size potentially because like going through friends, it's, you can kind of tell size, maybe the height or whatever, yeah. of how the, how tall the person is. At Where flashing. the fingerprints
1: are. Yeah. Size of the fingerprints. So I feel like, right.
0: I feel like they would be able to know for a little bit more clear if it was him or not, you know, no,
1: there was no trace of him in that stall whatsoever.
0: Yeah. That doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. So despite an exhaustive search of Of Roman's home, including dismantling the washing machine in search of traces of blood, there was still no connection to him or Tyre or the crime scene whatsoever. Nothing.
0: Okay. I don't feel like they even had the right to have held him for so long.
1: So the defense also presented a solid alibi for Roman. Pointing to the timeline that placed him at the school gate, speaking on his cell phone at 2:23 p.m., with two security guards as a witness seeing him there. Now, pathologists estimate that the time of the death between one th- the time of death for Tayer was between 1:30 p.m. and 2 p.m., during which Roman was away, returning to the schoolyard at 1:30 and later seen at the school cafeteria at 2 p.m. without any signs of dirt or blood. Hmm. Okay. So people did see him with no blood. Mm-hmm. The prosecution dismissed the alibi and simply pointed to the confession as key wit- as the key to the case.
0: Hmm. Of course, they did.
1: Yeah. The defense, of course, persisted, highlighting the flaws in what they deemed Roman's coerced confession. So they're like, "Hey, his confession is the key," and then the defense is like, "Yeah, coerced confession." Mm-hmm. The reenactment of the crime was a pivotal moment in the case where they walked him through the school recounting the events and like, as I mentioned, also videotaped it. Yeah. So they're walking him through the halls. They've got like a a squad of authorities. They've got a camera on him this whole time and he's leading them through, right? And
0: I'm imagining this is just not matching the scene whatsoever.
1: Well, it revealed a troubling array of inaccuracies. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It also suggested manipulative tactics by investigators. So Roman was guided by leading questions on the videotape it's recorded. So he provided details that ultimately contradicted known facts about the murder. And when he did seem to actually um, give proper facts, it was because the investigators led him in that direction. So say, for example, I'm just going to choose an, Uh, a random fact about anything. So I'll just say right now I'm drinking a beer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I am drinking a, a genuine draft beer. Okay. Say it's actually IPA. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's genuine draft beer. Now you're like, are you sure it's genuine draft? Mm -hmm. Is don't you like stuff that's a little bit more bitter? Well, yeah, I, I, I drink some, some more pale ales. But don't you like that, that one that starts with an I? Oh yeah, India paleos. So are you, do you like drinking India paleos? Yeah, I like drinking a lot of India paleos. Okay, so there we go. Like yeah. that's the sort of tactics they're doing in leading him into these answers.
0: Oh my gosh. And they are literally thinking that this is going to be used as evidence that he did this? Correct. Oh.
1: Yeah. So wait, it gets even worse.
0: This is wild, but okay.
1: Police asserted that he possessed of course, information only the murderer would know. And this includes the precise location of where he stood during the act. However, a careful review of the interrogation tapes continuing on expose the stark reality. These tactics continued. Every piece of privileged information on that tape was fed to him by investigators. He knew none of it without the investigators leading him to those answers. Not a piece was he able to provide Without that.
0: What the actual shit? This doesn't make any sense because like you think they would just want to figure out who actually did it. You'd think. And then, I don't know. They just It's like they almost just, they want to just like pit it on someone, act as solved and like move on.
1: Yeah. So you know how I said that the police said he talked about how he stood over her body and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he was asked about, and this is on the tape. When he was asked about the position he left Tyre's body in, Roman initially inaccurately depicted her lying on the floor, whereas her body was actually slumped over the closed toilet. Mm. Completely different position. Mm
0: -hmm. And that would be something that you would not get wrong if you did it.
1: Correct. Which of course, again, guided by officers, he eventually corrected this mistake and said the correct, correct answer. Wow. Yeah. He was also unable to accurately pinpoint where Tyre was cut. He guessed the torso below the waist, failing to mention a very significant cut that was on her wrist that they were really hoping to hear from. Um, He also claimed to have used a smooth blade, a smooth utility knife specifically. But the autopsy conclusively identified a serrated knife as the murder weapon.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Now, the biggest one of all on this video, I saved this one for last because... It's like the cherry on top of this. It's like, what the fuck? On video, Roman led investigators to the wrong bathroom initially.
0: Okay. I was literally wondering that. I was like, he probably doesn't even know what stall, what bathroom, whatever. Well,
1: hold on. Get this. He led them to the wrong bathroom initially. And only after guidance was he able to identify the actual correct bathroom. And once inside the right bathroom, he was easily able to identify the correct stall because there was crime scene tape all around it.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay.
1: So they then in the bathroom, put him in the stall to demonstrate how he got out of the locked stall because the door was left closed, locked, remember? So he got in there locked and he hopped over the door of the stall. Okay. Which evidence suggests it was not over the door. It was over the wall of the stall.
0: Huh? And then, and for sure you think, well, I mean, unless they were wearing gloves or whatever, I guess, but you'd think there would be some sort of fingerprints or something.
1: Yeah. Hmm. But none of his fingerprints, like if he climbed over the stall, his fingerprints would be in there. Mm-hmm. They're not unless
0: he was wearing gloves. So I am thinking. Yeah, about.
1: yeah, but there is no evidence of him in there whatsoever. Also, climbing over the stall, there is a good chance of things like shoe prints.
0: Yeah, especially
1: in blood in a closed spot like that.
0: I am also just like shook that no one is no one heard this going down.
1: But okay. Well, I did mention the idea of a shoe print and the prosecution did contend that a bloody footprint on Tair's jeans matched Roman's shoes. However, the absence of blood on his actual shoes raised a lot of doubts.
0: Well, yeah. If they found that said pair of shoes and there was no blood on there.
1: Yes, correct. No blood.
0: Okay. And they,
1: remember they even checked his washing machine.
0: Yeah. No blood. Yeah.
1: So given the gruesome scene, it seems, let's say, implausible that he could have been in the bathroom stall without blood transfer on his shoes, fingerprints, whatever the case DNA and the reenactment, far from solidifying the case against him, raised more questions about the accuracy and reliability of the confession, pointing to a potential coercion and misinformation.
0: Well, yeah, they really have nothing.
1: They don't. But- Despite the lack of conclusive evidence linking Roman Zadarov to the crime, he was eventually convicted of Tair Rada's murder.
0: Oh my gosh, really? Hey? Yeah.
1: With a court deeming his statements riddled with lies and manipulation. Additionally, he faced charges of conviction for obstruction uh, of the police investigation.
0: Oh man.
1: Yeah. So there he's guilty.
0: I'm surprised was there like a jury or what because like you think oh yeah
1: it's court there would have been a jury
0: you would think that they wouldn't I don't know unless there's I don't know this this <laughs> I'm a little bit just thrown for a loop
1: here you baffled
0: I am very baffled
1: fair enough I, I can understand why this one when researching this my jaw was constantly on the floor and I'm like picking it up with my hands like I swear I'm just like oh my god what the actual F is happening.
0: I mean, there's a chance that he could have done it, but I'm just – in my the back of my head, I'm just like, gosh, if he didn't, like, please tell me that they did find who did eventually or something. Because if they don't, I feel like I'm going to just rage.
1: Well, well, we'll carry on. That's what I'll say. Okay. Tyre's mother was initially – she initially found solace, let's say, in the guilty um, verdict, relying on his confession the alleged footprint for evidence to kind of affirm that belief, right? Mm -hmm. However, her perspective changed in the subsequent months. In that same year, as Roman's conviction, Lana filed a petition urging authorities to reopen the investigation into her daughter's death, but the plea was denied. In 2010, four years after his arrest, Roman would receive a life sentence for his crime. The three-judge panel, led by Judge Yitzhak Cohen maintained that there remained no doubt about Roman Sderov's responsibility for Tayer's death.
0: Huh. Yeah. Okay.
1: So you think he's guilty? Do you still think he's or sorry, innocent? Do you still think he's innocent? They found him guilty.
0: I Okay, sorry. In 2010 did they reopen it or it was just like went to some
1: That was sentencing. So in 2010, yeah, in 2010, um, four years after the the arrest, it was it was sentencing and he received a life sentence.
0: I don't know. It's hard. Like, you don't you don't want to doubt the justice system, you know? Yeah. But then it doesn't really seem like there's any hardcore evidence that would.
1: There's not a single piece of evidence. Nothing. The only thing they have is the confession.
0: Well, and the shoe print, though. Like and, was, the,
1: and the alleged shoe print, yes.
0: Yeah, was that literally the same kind of size and, like, he had these shoes? Like, that's a little, that's something that's a little bit off to me, I guess.
1: But. Um, We'll touch on the shoe print a little later.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: So, following the sentencing, uh, Lana publicly expressed the whole distrust in the court, the prosecution, the police. She shifted her beliefs, basically saying that Tair might have fallen victim to uh, this satanic ritual that she's believing mm. yeah determined to uncover the truth she voiced her commitment to finding her daughter's real murderer
0: okay i do like this like she she has a gut feeling and she's she does. not giving up
1: no she's she's like roman's not the guy she's she knows something else is going on wow that, that's where she's she's at and even i'm sure watching this court case unfold because i guarantee you she's sitting there in the courtroom mm-hmm. there's no evidence on this guy I unless you're talking about uh, the the potential uh footprint yep. and the potential uh confession yeah there's no dna there's no fingerprints there's no eyewitness there's nothing mm-hmm. so it's really hard to actually pin something when you don't have those things
0: because the one eyewitness that they did have witnessed someone else right and this guy just uh, correct they look similar
1: correct <sighs> like yeah. what so Roman's legal team continued to fight for justice. In March of 2013, the court agreed to hear an expert testimony in his defense. Pathologist Dr. Maya Foreman Resnick took to the stand and provided insight into the murder weapon and the trauma injuries in tires to Tyres head, sorry. Dr. Foreman Resnick contradicted Roman's confession. This is kind of something we already touched on, but this is another um, professional speaking upon it. Now, asserting that the marks on Tyre's face were unequivocally made by a serrated knife, not a smooth utility knife that uh, Roman had claimed. Now, the defense also brought a second expert witness, and this is where we're going to talk about that footprint. That witness was Bill Bosniak, a footprint expert who flew in to study the alleged bloody footprint on Tyre's jeans at the forensics lab. Now, Bosniak's analysts, or sorry, analysis yielded a surprising conclusion. What do you think he he thought of this footprint, this bloody footprint on Tyre's jeans that matched Roman's shoes?
0: I'm thinking it's probably not going to be the same size or something, even.
1: Well, what was initially considered a footprint turned out to be an imprint of her cell phone inside the jean pocket of her pants.
0: What the shit? Yes. It wasn't even a footprint? Correct. Okay.
1: That's what Bill Bosniak test the ex the footprint expert they flew in testified. He's like this isn't even a fucking footprint. This is an imprint of the cell phone inside her jeans.
0: Okay, that doesn't make any sense
1: so potentially like potentially she leaned up against something with blood or someone with blood on them leaned up against her and imprinted on that cell phone right
0: okay well i was not expecting that i was thinking it was a footprint because they said it was a footprint i was just thinking it may probably belong to someone else
1: no this professional this expert says it's not a footprint regardless of this and contrary to the evidence pointing away from Roman's involvement in this whole footprint, the court dismissed the expert's testimony and remained unconvinced. The judge relied on his own eyes, basically said wow. that he could tell from here that that mark in the jeans is clearly a footprint.
0: Well, why is there like what's the point of having experts and stuff? Exactly. Then, right?
1: The judge is looking across the courtroom at a photo. Nah. Dude, that's a footprint. Get yeah, out of you're here. wrong. Yeah, you went in the lab and analyzed it? No.
0: There has to, I'm almost thinking there's like some sort of politicalness to this now. That people don't want to go against, you know, what has already been sentenced and stuff.
1: Yeah. Um public support for Roman, of course, was phenomenal. Um, and it gained momentum with the establishment of a Facebook group in 2011 dedicated to seeking justice for Tair Rada. The group served as a platform for social protest against the conviction of the wrong man and aimed to uncover the identity of the actual killer. So even the public is like, this is not like what's going on. This isn't the dude. Well,
0: and this, this man, he's missing all of his Like his child growing up.
1: Yeah. His kid was born a month before this. Oh
0: my gosh. That makes me sick.
1: Yeah. The case was also brought to TV in a four part documentary series titled shadow of truth, which was released in 2016. The series unveiled a startling confession of an anonymous man identified only as a H.
0: Seriously, a confession from someone else who did it.
1: A confession. According to AH, his high school ex girlfriend, identified as AK, had confessed to him that she was the one who killed Tayyir. Both AH and AK had graduated from the same school as Tayyir by the time of the murder. So they're already graduated from this school, okay? But they attended it. Okay. Uh, On the day of the killing, A.K. allegedly showed A.H. her blood-stained clothes, a wig, and a murder weapon. A murder weapon that was a serrated hunting knife. Now, the story took a bizarre turn as details about A.K. emerged. She reportedly harbored an obsession with blood and believed she was possessed by a she-wolf that urged her to kill and disembowel people. A.K.'s past included witnessing gruesome violence as a child when her grandfather allegedly took her to battlefields, Uh, and allegedly her grandfather also hid her inside the carcass of a wolf, or she speculated potentially not even a wolf, but possibly um, a disemboweled deceased human. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, as she grew older, A.K. found solace in visualizing herself floating in a sea of blood.
0: Hmm. I'm just sitting here just, like, pissed that, like, someone did this and just got – has been, like, living their life while this man is locked away. I'm – like, I'm quite angry
1: right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite angry right now. <laughs> I am. I am. You, you Are you going to, like – you're tearing up. No,
0: I'm not tearing up. I just feel, like, pissed that it's just so annoying to me that people can get away with shit like this. But anyway, I'm keep, I'm going to continue listening.
1: Okay, okay. Continue to listen. <laughs> well, continue to listen. We got we got this. Now, AK uh, described the chilling details of the murder to AH. She claimed to have worn a Golan Heights high school shirt to blend in. One that she would have oh, had from attending the there.
0: uniform. Yeah, they were wearing a uniform.
1: And she graduated from there, so she would have had said uniform. Yep. So she was waiting for hours in the girl's restroom with the intention of killing the first girl who entered alone.
0: Oh my gosh. It was like wrong place at the wrong time.
1: So when she spotted Tair alone, AK allegedly forced her into a toilet stall at knife point. And committed the murder and strategically with toilet paper contained the blood. The confession closely matched details provided by Lee, who the police earlier in the investigation, the two young individuals, the two friends, Mm -hmm. saw two people in the stall. Remember when they said Mm -hmm. they heard a female voice respond that someone's in there.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: After the crime, A.K. purportedly waited next to Tyre's body until the surroundings were quiet, climbed over the stall wall, changed out of her bloody clothes, and calmly walked out. She then returned home, took a shower, cleaned up, and called A.H.
0: Gosh. Okay, and why is A.H. not have confessed this much earlier? Yeah. You know, like that is just... That just makes me just piss because they would have known what the fuck was going on. Yeah. That someone was literally in jail. Yep. And just like withheld this fucking information.
1: All I've got to say is, yep, you're right. Everything you said is right.
0: Jeez. And also like what a disturbing person Mm -hmm. to just do that and then just like walk out. You're
1: like, oh. (laughs) You good? Yeah. Okay. Well, Roman's defense team, of course, urged AK's ex boyfriend, AH, to undergo a lie detector test on three separate occasions. Each, I do want to per, uh, start by saying this we do know that mm-hmm. lie detector tests are yeah. not concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. However, each test reportedly showed no signs of deception.
0: Hmm. Do they know who this person is? Like, were they like talking to them?
1: You, you should watch the documentary series. A- I
0: think I want to. Yeah,
1: you should. Now, in light of this, the police arrested AK. Now, a blonde, she was a blonde with fine features who adamantly denied any involvement in Tayir's brutal murder. AK claimed her ex-boyfriend, A.H. did not handle their breakup very well and accused him of attempting to frame her. She turned the narrative around, asserting that A.H. was the one fascinated about blood and engaging in violent acts, further accusing him of domestic violence and sexual abuse. Hmm. So now where do we stand?
0: No kidding. Well, also because I'm just thinking there's probably been more victims. That's just popped in my head, which I hate that thought. There could be. Because if they were just like one of them was just doing this for fun, like probably not going to be one and done.
1: Now get this though. While under house arrest, AK attempted to assault her new boyfriend while intoxicated. She showed up at his dorm, demanded sex. And when he refused, she held a shard of glass to his throat. Wow. Yeah. This There was prompt intervention, thankfully, by others in the dorm, because I mean, it's a small area, noise travels, people found out very quickly and they were able to prevent any sort of harm from happening to the new boyfriend, um, which I'm sure was very quickly an ex-boyfriend. But when police arrived, AK resisted arrest, but later, get this, admitted to the allegations against her. Hmm. She admitted to the allegations of her being the one to murder
0: Oh, she admitted to that. I was just thinking it was like with this boyfriend thing. She admitted.
1: She admitted. Whoa. Yep. Shit. Although she was found unfit to stand trial for the assaulting of her boyfriend, she was sent to a psychiatric hospital without formal charges in that regard. Okay. Meanwhile, A.H., the Uh ex-boyfriend, faced arrest for obstruction of justice and sexual assault charges against A.K. because she claimed the sexual abuse and everything.
0: And he was also withholding
1: crucial Information.
0: information. Yeah,
1: exactly. So during his custody, now get this one, the police pressured him to retract his testimony about Tyer's murder, offering to drop the charges against him if he complied.
0: What the fuck?
1: Because they want yeah. Roman. They, why? They, they've got him behind bars.
0: I can't understand why they like dislike this person so much.
1: As you mentioned already, I don't think has anything about dislike against him. I think it's just a matter of not wanting to backtrack, not wanting to go back or accepting they did wrong or anything like that. They're just like, no, we got this guy. He's already been convicted retract this statement like make this go oh away oh my
0: gosh that's just terrible at your job though they're
1: trying to sweep it under the rug it is very terrible at their job mm-hmm. like the worst yeah you, your law enforcement your authorities your investigators your job is to find the truth yeah it's like not
0: justice yeah. for this little girl
1: yeah you're supposed to follow the evidence mm-hmm. and you have evidence at hand you now have two confessions two And you wanted to
0: sweep it under the rug and carry on.
1: Because one confessed and that's when you're going to just go with without investigating the other or what? You just want to get dropped. Anyways, AH adamantly refused to drop the claims. And after 11 days in custody, he was released without, without redacting his statement. Now in a passionate response, when they were telling him to drop his statements, AH said this quote, I'm going to kill myself and write in my blood that AK killed Tair Rada. If it takes an explosion to let the public know that AK murdered Tair Rada, I'm willing to be that explosion.
0: Hmm. Wow. Well, I mean, he, at this point, he just like needs it to get out there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now. Unfortunately, Shmuel Rada, Tair's father, passed away in January of 2016 after battling cancer. Oh. The whole profound grief and anger stemming from her death uh, transformed him into, unfortunately, a broken man, and he succumbed to illness the day after unveiling a synagogue named after Tair's memory in Katzrin.
0: Hmm, that's really sad.
1: Remarkably, at the close of 2018. New forensic evidence surfaced on the case. One of those foreign hairs discovered on Taya's body, specifically like it was located yep. on her stomach, was found to match the DNA of A.H.
0: Oh, really? The
1: ex-boyfriend.
0: Oh, the ex-boyfriend.
1: Yes, the one who came forward with the confession regarding his ex-girlfriend being a oh, murderer. Oh,
0: shit. Okay, see, I'm getting these A's mixed up here. So it was the The boyfriend.
1: The boyfriend. Shit. So this poses a question. Could A.H. be the actual perpetrator? Or had he been accurate with his claims from the start? I mean, given that A.H. at the time lived with A.K., his ex girlfriend, the presence of his hair being on her clothes when she committed it's the possible, crime.
0: It's possible for sure. It's
1: possible. It's a plausible explanation.
0: Yeah. Wow. In
1: 2021. There was a retrial for Roman Zaderov in the murder case of Tair Rada. and this resulted in a complete acquittal of all charges, overturning previous convictions that had led to over a decade of imprisonment.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I mean it's so good that he's out but gosh that that is devastating that he spent that long in jail.
1: No kidding. He, he missed the first at least 10 years of, let I me mean, more than, yep. of his son's life. Wow. The live broadcast of the verdict drew intense reactions with a two to one decision by the panel of three judges at the Nazareth District Court.
0: One of them still wanted him in jail. Correct. Holy shit.
1: Judges Asher Kula and Danny Safrati acquitted Roman, while the third judge, Tamar Nassim Shahai found him guilty.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: Now, in the context of A.H., whose real name is Adir Habani. Well, I'm going to continue saying A.H. and A.K. because we're already committed on those. Okay. And A.K., whose name is Ola Krevenchko. The Nazareth district court ruled that the hairs found on Tahir's body would be re-examined. A hair with DNA possibly matching AH, of course, raised questions, but the examination did not provide conclusive evidence. Also, the confession of AK was ruled out. Why? I'm assuming because she went to psychiatric care. They're saying she wasn't of right mind, but I don't know.
0: Okay. And what about those two other hairs? There was three hairs,
1: undetermined. Oh, Don't gosh. know who they who they match to. Okay. Despite this, the case remains unsolved to this day, leaving the identity of Tair Rada's killer unknown, and the possibility that Tair took this secret to the grave is a very real possibility.
0: You're shitting me, hey! Yeah. I for sure thought that they would end up having this pinned.
1: Nope. That is the story of Taira Rada. We flew through that information.
0: That's a shit story.
1: <laughs> you think so?
0: Yeah. I'm not satifi- satisfied with that end. And it's also just devastating that this like vibrant little girl just lost her life for. Yeah. Like, I mean, not that anyone loses their life for a reason, but there's like absolutely just no reason for this. Mm-hmm.
1: Now I do want to talk about the idea on that hair, that hair that was not conclusive. Apparently there was, and I, I didn't research on the exact details, but there is apparently some sort of a match to a H or was it a K the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. um, there was a match, but it wasn't a strong enough match to be presented as evidence in court. Apparently uh. it was some, it was, it was a strong enough match to apparently be worth defending yourself, but not to prosecute an individual.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, because I guess like people share similar DNA characteristics or whatever. You I'm not call too them. sure.
1: Like I said, I didn't go into a deep dive on the hair DNA.
0: Yeah.
1: I what I know is there was somewhat of a match.
0: Because lots of times but it wasn't like,
1: conclusive.
0: It's like percentage or whatever. There's like a 50% probability that this is a match or like yeah. you hear that sort of thing sometimes you know yeah.
1: maybe that's the case i'm not sure but what we do know is that the hair was not conclusive enough to be evidence to say well, this is a match but what pisses me off is that roman had a footprint and a coerced confession so we'll say he had A piece of evidence tying him to it, an alleged piece of evidence. There we go. We had an alleged piece of evidence tying him to the scene and he had an alleged confession, both alleged, both not real. And he served like 15 years, basically. I'm not doing the math, but it's around there. Now we have, on the other hand, another alleged confession because it was ruled out. It's still alleged, an alleged confession and also alleged DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So the same amount of evidence, <laughs> one was convicted and served over a decade. Yeah. The other was just ruled out.
0: Yeah, it just does it doesn't matter. Gosh. And my question, A whatever, the chick, did she have curly hair, I wonder?
1: I don't know that one, but I do know she had uh, blonde hair and fair features. Okay, That's what I recall.
0: I thought uh, someone said they saw like this curly hair yes. person or something.
1: But remember, allegedly she had a wig.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: That's what the boyfriend was saying, that she had a wig.
0: Right. Huh. So
1: that could have been what an individual saw was a wig.
0: Wow. And just like wanted to kill someone. Yeah. So that because might. Because they have
1: a fascination of what's it feel like. There's so many cases out there where it's like, I just want to know what it feels like. I have a fascination with death or blood or viscer. I, wow.
0: But my thought is just like, I mean, that would only just like fuel the fire, you'd think. It would. Right? Like, I don't really know if you would do that and then just like never kill again. If it was something that you were super, you know, keen on. I don't
1: think so. We see that time and time again in different cases that it only escalates further. Yeah. Right? Think about it in the case of many murderers, um, uh, psychopaths, whoever, that start off with this fascination. They, they They start with animals. Mm-hmm. They torture and kill animals. And then guess what? It escalates. They want to do it again and again and again. And then bigger and more people. And, and then it turns into see if I can get away with it. How long I can get away with it. What can I do? And then it's tactics on fucking with authorities. And it's mm-hmm. this power trip, too. There's it, it never stops. It's a thirst, a, a fascination that just a hunger that needs more.
0: Yep. And so them just like not really. I mean, maybe they think they did the best they could, but like, in my opinion, I don't really think they did. This is like a disservice to humanity because other shit has probably, they have, whoever did this is, I, I would be like willing to bank a lot that they've done harm to others. Probably. For sure.
1: Yep. I don't doubt you on that whatsoever. I think you're 100% right.
0: Oh, which is just so disgusting to think about, eh?
1: Yeah. Wow. So that was quite a case.
0: Yeah. Good. I have no
1: idea how long this episode was. I think we're over an hour.
0: I mean, good job on that one. I would have ran for the hills from that one because like of the name pronunciation. So
1: actually they weren't too bad. I don't think I got them all exactly right, but they weren't too bad actually.
0: Well, so. yeah, you sound, you did good. Thank Real you. good.
1: I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) well thank you guys for being here hopefully you enjoyed this episode if you want to check out any of our links they're all linked down below we have instagram we have facebook we have youtube which we're really active on Mm -hmm. um we've got patreon you know you can go there see some behind the scenes exclusive content and even an exclusive episode at the end of the month um if not you're here we appreciate that too you're absolutely awesome and wicked Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so until uh next week
1: until next week stay wicked